Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. Welcome back to another episode of the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast. I am your host, Jamie Wagner. Excited to be here to bring this to you all once again. Um, been thinking a lot about how to have a conversation about strength on this podcast, not our strengths. We've we've gone down that road in terms of, um, you know, more, you know, like Monty, and we've explored that, like, how do we go towards our strength areas? And exp- I think that's a really powerful idea. And if you're struggling to find your personal strengths, I would encourage you to go back and check out that episode. Um, and maybe you've been in this thing where it's been strength finders and, uh, you know, Myers-Briggs and these sort of things. These are awesome tools to use and self-assess. It's so important to be getting constant self-awareness check-ins. You know, one of the, the primary skills we develop with in the mental performance game is, are you aware of what you're doing at this moment in time? Our conversation today, however, is kind of what I would say parallel to that. When it comes to developing strength as an athlete or as a coach, you have like the strength and conditioning programs in sports are directly parallel to what we do in in mindset development and mental skill training. You have to have a progression. You have to develop and continue to have these huge foundational pieces and supports in place so that you can go forward constantly coming back to the form in strength and conditioning to the lit in lifting weights it comes back to your position your body control your your baseline foundational principles one of those principles in mindset and and mental skills is being present another is our self-awareness and our self-assessment of what we're capable of doing at any given time strength and conditioning lifting All that stuff runs exactly parallel to this. Our conversation today is with Alex Greenway. He's the, he's a part of the national strength high school coaches association board, their advisory board. He helped develop and get off the ground. The Minnesota strength coaches association, which has only been going for two years. You'll hear about how they got creative and decided we need to, we need something in our state to support these people. Um, He's at Tracy Milroy Ballatin High School, where they are clearly invested in the weight room. I've seen their athletes, and it is a small town. It's not, it's not a metro area school. It's it's a rural community that has invested in a strength position and creating programs that serve that baseline foundation, and then from there. You've seen their athletes make incredible gains. And I mean, we were at the state wrestling tournament a few weeks ago and just like, man, those kids, those kids are physically put together. It's obvious when you see their higher level athletes that they've had that foundation in place and it's been moving for a while now. Alex is a huge part of what that looks like. I love that we get to talk about so many concepts that yes, they might sound like they're specific to weightlifting or strength training or 
strength and conditioning. But if we use the lens, right, if we shape it to our conversation, our worldview, our needs, the truth is there. The truth of what is required of us in leadership and coaching positions is right there. It's about relationships. It's about listening. It's about removing ego. It's about making those foundational skills before we move on. And it's about recovery. It's about the, the capacity to recover and and that all of that stuff contributes to the whole. It's not just focus in one thing and get tunnel vision-y. It's the capacity to be constantly seeing, constantly assessing, and and moving forward in that process. I really enjoyed this conversation with Alex. I'm super excited about what their athletes have in front of them. How can you as a leader take something from this conversation today? Alex Greenway, Tracy Milroy Ballatin. Here we go. Welcome to the podcast, Alex Greenway. You are a teacher in a small town in Southwest Minnesota, Tracy right. Milroy Ballatin. So Correct. I never get, I don't think I ever get this right. Is it together for the whole school, Tracy Milroy Ballatin, or is it just Tracy and then Milroy Ballatin separate? How does that all work? No, we've got everybody. We've got everybody. We've got okay. Tracy Milroy Ballatin and then uh, consolidated, uh, yeah, before my time. We've only been here seven years. So we've got elementary school, high school, everything. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Small town, Minnesota, people after my own heart. You are, the reason I reached out to you is because you're doing awesome stuff in the strength world, but that's not why you were hired there. You are a social studies teacher. You coach in a bunch of different capacities. Talk to us about all the things that you do at Tracy. Well, yeah. So we, we came back. We're from just up the road in Canby, an hour north. And uh, really, we came back here. We had our first child. And my wife said, well, do you want to you stay in Moorhead to keep coaching? And I want to move to get closer to family. And I thought, well, that's, that's a really good point. So, yeah, I came here, uh, started teaching social studies, coached football right away because that was a big part of, of what I was doing and still is. And then uh, coached some track, junior high basketball. I feel like I've coached everything, but like yeah. baseball and softball at this point. But so yeah, the strength, the strength stuff for me uh, being from in Moorhead where I was coaching before at a bigger school was there for six years, had seen it done really, really well with yeah. some just awesome coaches up there. Really great guys, which will probably come up later. Um, but, you know, here, yeah, we just saw we didn't have anything in place and kind of just kept, you know, we we're getting beat by the same team in the section playoffs. And I kept looking around and saying, you know, our guys look the same as when we yeah. lost last year. Yeah. And I thought we got we got to do something. So put uh, kind of a proposal to the school board and to the coaches. And I had an easy and I tell everybody this. My path was way easier on selling it to everybody here because and I know we'll get into all this, but the coaches were kind of ready for it. So I didn't have yeah. to do a lot of convincing, uh, which was great, but yeah, I just looked at it and said, we, we have these gaps in training really that we're seeing where kids were lifting a little bit. And I said, we need, we need a strength program that's unified that runs through all the sports. And basically the way I think of it as, as it's the common vein that runs through all of your athletic department, yeah. uh, especially at a school, our size where we're all sharing the same kids. Yeah. So if, if this team's not lifting, well, you're really, you're really hurting my team. Yeah. So, um, or not contributing to that. So 
I think of it as it's the common vein that runs through the whole athletic department. And then we have kids that also play basketball, also play football, also wrestle, also are out for track. But the one thing everybody does is train in the weight room. And that looks yeah. like a lot of different things. But um, so this is year three now with, with me kind of, you know, running things, trying not to screw it up. And it's gone really well so far. I love the way that you speak to that, right? This is the common vein. I, what I do, I think is similar, right? It, if you're not training the mental game in football, it's going to show up in wrestling or basketball. It's going to show up in track and field. It's going to show up in baseball. If you have drama, if you have relationship struggles, if you have challenges, regardless of what sport or season it is, those challenges rear their head. And the same thing is true in the physical side, right? The same thing Absolutely. is true in, in creating in creating a physical athlete that's prepared and ready for a, a nine month a year schedule because that's right. what in these small in the small towns that we're talking about, we're like, if we don't have three sport athletes, we don't have athletics. Like right. that's just it. Correct. We don't have we don't have the opportunity to say, you know, oh, that kid's not out. Well, we got to do everything we can to get them out. How this is this is one of the questions that I had as I was contemplating having this conversation. How does the the training contribute to more three sport athletic sort of endeavors? Do you see that the kids that have committed to being in the weight room are more consistently uh, competing year round, or are there you know two sport athletes? How is that? Does that contribute at all, or haven't you noticed a, a relationship there? I think so, but it, it comes a lot with confidence. And the yeah. weight room can bring that a lot, a ton. I mean, it's amazing. And, you know, when we talk, we're going to talk about mental toughness. I know it's a big part of this, but yeah. kids that come into the weight room and are coached in a way that is respectful and making them feel like they belong because the weight room is a scary place. <laughs> it's loud. There's kids bigger than you. You know, I don't allow shirts off if there's, uh, if there's any girls in the room, no shirts off. And I really don't even like it any other time because, you know, we've got some kids that, that look a heck of a lot better than I ever did. And, uh, there's some kids that are just starting out that don't look yeah. like that yet. Yeah. And it's intimidating. So I don't even like that, but it's the confidence factor. I think that kids start to carry themselves differently around the hallways when you have them committed to the weight room or even coming in for the first time or whatever, and they're comfortable and so I think getting back to your question, it's the confidence that a kid sees that gives them the confidence to then try a different sport. Yeah. Um, yeah. For example, we, we've got kids out for track now that, that I've talked into it, I guess um, that it's the confidence and that in their bodies and say, you know what, I, I can be the hammer and not the nail. Yeah. And that happens at a different time with every kid. But uh, I think with, with training in the weight room, they realize that, Hey, I'm work. It's a process. I'm getting stronger, but I'm stronger than I thought I was. And maybe I can do some things that I didn't think I could do. And I think that's what translates to trying different sports. Um, I love, yeah. And I don't know if it's, you know, and then of course, as kids get stronger and they see more success, uh, then they want to do more, you know, yeah. if that answer, so, I think that's I, for I think sure. It's a confidence thing more than anything. I, I, I completely agree. I think from my experience in the weight room and, and my story is a little bit similar, but I, I lifted in high school. I get to the collegiate level and I'm completely intimidated to walk in that room. Mm -hmm. You know, I was just like, I'm not strong enough. These guys look different than I do. They move more weight than I do. I feel insecure, right? I didn't right. have yes. the confidence 
And then I transferred to schools and I had a real long conversation with our strength coach about this. And I like, I wasn't doing the disciplined work of being in there as consistently as I wanted to be because of that insecurity. And he talked to me and he's just like, what we're trying to develop is to bring that confidence that you build in here out onto the field. You know, like that's what we're really looking for. And anything other than that, like the numbers, the outcomes, whatever, like they don't matter. He, and like that just freed me up. How do you go about when a, when a kid walks in for the first time and they're like, I'm interested in being here, but I don't feel like I belong. I don't feel good enough. How do you go about coaching that kid up? Because I'm sure there are people out here who don't have a full-time strength coach, who don't have this opportunity to say, Alex, do your thing with these athletes. How do you get them to open the door to confidence? Because there's a barrier there for a lot of us. There was for me. Yeah. And what you said before, nothing translates to the field or court from the weight room better than confidence. Yeah. And I mean, it's not strength. It's not your squat numbers. It's not how, how much, you know, force you can produce. It's confidence that transfers, uh, and we still measure all that and we push all that and stuff, but confidence is what transfers to the, to the game more than anything else. But so if a kid, you know, a kid walks in and, and we have these, especially with our school where we might, we might have in track, for example, our seven through 12 track program actually brings some sixth graders in too. Yeah. Those kids are lifting all together. Um, so you, from a programming standpoint, one, you do have to have some, a system in place to start them out somewhere. Like you can't have them squatting the same as your senior football player that's a dude, you know, yeah. um, or your or your softball player or sprinter female that's been with you for years. So you do have to have a system in place from, from a programming standpoint, but that's secondary. So I, I'm just say, hey, glad you're here. Welcome. Here's here's kind of how we do things. I'm going to watch you pair up with with somebody that you feel good about. Um, I'm going to watch you and uh, here's kind of why we do things. I'm going to see you move and you might stay at our, what we call our block zero. Everybody calls it their block zero program, which is our foundational movements. You might stay there for a week. You might stay there for a month, but I'm going to watch you. And cause some kids come in, you're like, all right, I'm not going to hold them up. Let's let them go. But to get them to feel like they belong, it's just try to keep it really positive. And my advice to anybody who wants to do this would be, you cannot have an ego when you're a strength coach, if you want to be a good one. Because ego gets in the way of um, how well you can connect with kids. I think it gets in the way of um, of how progressive you can be in your training and your programming for kids. Are you willing to change? Uh, and if a kid says, hey, you know, I've got, and that's another thing, nothing builds trust, I think, more than in with kids sure. than listening and saying, hey, I've got this, you know, I'm really tired or I've got this thing bothering me, not saying, well, you're going to do the workout anyway. But I say, no, you know, okay, so what can we do differently? Maybe you just foam roll today. And then I think they really think, you know, okay, coach, he cares about me. This is a progression. I don't have to get crazy strong today, but I'm going to be in here for a lot. I'm going to, for a long time, I'm going to spend a lot of time in here. So you build trust that way. Um, So when kids first come in, pairing them up with somebody and, and I try to get them to understand that it's about growth over anything else. You know, you are not going to be that guy over there who's power cleaning, you know, 200 pounds right now. That might look terrifying and that you're never going to get there and you might not. 
but right now this is where you're at and you're going to get stronger today because I'm going to see you again a lot. Yeah. I, so there's... It, and it's, it happens day one, but it's just all positivity and you cannot, if you're an administrator who wants to start a program and you're listening to this, find somebody that isn't going to be a barrier to getting kids in there. Yeah. It's scary enough. It's scary for coaches. That's why a lot of schools don't have programs, I think, because coaches are don't know how to do it. And you got to find somebody who will just bring kids in, you know, unapologetically, <laughs> really. Yeah. Your person running the room cannot be a barrier to entry because there are already too many. Yeah. I, there's there's three things in here that you said that are awesome, and I really want to flesh each one out a little bit. And, and I'm going to start with the ego piece, right? This ego is a barrier to connection. And that's a little bit what you're talking about here at the end. Like you can't have a coach who's a barrier to do that. So how are you like open? What, what would you, if a kid, if I were to ask a kid in your program, I'd say, how does, how is coach Greenway open to new ideas? How do you, how do you see that he's, uh, you know, like you talked a little bit about just making them feel welcome and like I'm going to foam roll today instead of doing the workout today. What, what would you say is, is one way where you really try to show that progression, that progressive idea of improvement, adding new things, adding detail that maybe, or adding individuality, even like individualizing programs for kids. I don't know. What is, what is it in your world that you say, this is, this is a demonstration of what I'm talking about. Well, I hope it's, I hope this is right. I hope a kid would say that I'm willing to listen yeah. and wow. it's, and it's teaching. I mean, teaching is coaching. You've probably had 400 guests that have said that, right. <laughs> yeah. um, that teaching is coaching, coaching is teaching. So, you know, a, what does a kid need today? Yeah. What do they need today in their program? What do they need today in their training? And I hope that a kid would say that I'm willing to listen. And the biggest you know, we've had kids that want to do their own thing. And I just say, okay. And early on, I would have thought, you know, that's a big, that's a big struggle for coaches right away that uh, kids that have their program already or want to train outside of the room and you got to meld them together and say, okay, let's look at what you're doing. Let's look at what you're doing outside of our facility. And let's just make sure that you don't double up. Yeah. Right. Let's make sure that you're safely training. And it, that builds a ton of trust. It really does. And so I, and anytime we bring in anything new, uh, and that I want to try, which we've done a ton of times. I explain it first. Here's why we're doing it. The science behind it. I tell kids, and I don't understand the science. I just regurgitate the science because that's smart. <laughs> but, um, you know, so kids understand, okay, here's why we're doing everything. We don't do, coach knows why we're doing everything. And I tell them to ask me, why are we doing things? If there's a, if there's a certain exercise and I say, I can't, I don't know why we're doing it, you know? This isn't algebra where they can't explain why you're doing it. Um, but I could say that I'm bitter because I can't do math. So, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but I say, if I can't explain why we're doing something, then tell me to take it out of the program because that's a terrible answer. I have to be able to explain it. And I think yeah. that builds a lot of trust with kids and ego and uh, not being a barrier because you have to be willing to change. You have to be willing to listen and you're going to turn kids away so quick if they don't trust you. Yeah. And especially yeah. in the weight room. I mean, they are really giving you a lot of trust. And and, I, and they might, I mean, you're going to, you're going to have to come in and stand around kids Yeah, that are there because their coach made them, but the kids that really buy in, 
they have to trust you because some of the things that you're going to ask them to do are going to be a little scary. Well, um, and they're, they're uncomfortable movement patterns. They're mm-hmm. brand new movement patterns. They're, yep. they're taking a risk in front of people when they walk mm-hmm. into that room. And like, you know, from my perspective, the two things we, we care about, right. Survival and belonging. Like we want, we want to be okay. We want to be safe and we want to belong in a group because that again, provides safety for us. Like if you put a kid in a place where they don't feel like they belong immediately, you're going to get less than you could have. Right. And so asking them to walk through that door feels like an immediate threat to one or both of those things. And so making it as comfortable as possible to take risks in that room is, is incredibly important. And that actually leads me to kind of the the second thing that you said in that, in that first answer, you talked about foundational movements and having kind of a block zero. I know that that's a standard sort of idea in, in weight training, but I don't necessarily, I was having this conversation with, with a college wrestling coach actually. Um, and I said, I, I don't know why we don't just spend two weeks at the beginning of every season, like drilling the foundational movement patterns, like not the moves, but just the foundational movement patterns, like getting into a stance, which is essentially a squat and moving your feet from, and like we do stance in motion and that stuff, but going even slower, like coming down to block zero sort of thing. So what are the foundational movements that you try and instill in athletes to give them the confidence to take risks? Well, for us, and it starts now, I have a summer program that's fourth through sixth graders, which is fun. And I can really see the difference in kids that have been with us in the summer when they come with us to us in seventh grade, there is a big difference. Yeah. Uh, And really, so from a programming standpoint, our big three are, uh, or our big, we call them big rocks. And that's not my term. That's been around uh, bench. And we only bench, honestly, doesn't translate a lot to what kids are doing sport wise. It's easy to teach. Kids love it. It's relatively safe. So I'm good with it. Um, And then uh, back squat and all of its variations. So we front squat way more than we back squat. Yeah, uh, we single leg squat way more. If I could go back, um, and we could do another whole podcast on things I wish I would have done differently, but uh, we wouldn't probably back squat at all. Uh, but I have it as one of our measurements for our clubs. Uh, we clean, we hang clean a lot, all of our variations there. So uh, we trap bar deadlift a lot more than we barbell deadlift. So if I were to go down to the purest forms of there, uh, we work on push-up, push-up form, and all that progression. Um, can they hold an athletic movement? So, like snap downs um, on a whistle, uh, providing a stimulus to where they'll snap down and hold it. Um, and the push-up progression is part of our bench press progression. I mean, so our wrestling are coach you appreciations that? But for sure. So, are you working for nervous system response with with the initial progression? Right, like you're you're just working to to kind of inoculate the nervous system at that point or talk. I mean, again, I don't understand the science either. I've done some strength training stuff. I've been a strength coach in a school. And so I'm, I'm, I'm super curious about this because it's kind of nerdy stuff, but I think there's a re, you know, like, let me ask why, right. Uh, let me ask mm-hmm. why, because I think coaches out there might have the same sort of question. Well, why can't we just jump in? You know, like why yeah. we have athletes that are capable. Why can't we just jump in? what, what are you trying to activate in, in those positions or in that, in that foundational movement stuff? 
Well, that's great. If you have, well, that's the thing too. If you have athletes that are capable, great. Then yeah, start them, but you probably don't. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, really, uh, I would say more like, uh, it's, maybe it's the same thing, but pattern grooving, I guess, yeah. or grooving patterns of movement. So I suppose that's a neurological response or sensory sure. response, but, um, I think we're just grooving it, you know, yeah. to put it in a more, a better sense. Maybe that makes sense. Absolutely. And yeah. That's why I like the, you know, this concept now, what it's called one by 20. If you've heard of that, where some yep. coaches have gone to like doing 20 reps of one movement, um, because of that really grooving patterns and, and getting everything from a muscle memory standpoint grooved, um, but for us, it's just, you know, most of our training, almost all of it is in season. Yeah. I don't have any classes. I teach social studies. If I could go back, I'd probably teach FIED so I could have kids every day yeah. and do a true curriculum and be able to slow down even more. But so I think probably I would call it grooving, I guess, more yeah. that kind of, does that make sense? I think that answered yeah. the question. I'm not sure. Absolutely. So, so in the push-up <laughs> progression, that leads us to the bench what what are you getting yep. to to progress into the squat so we're going to go um for a squat we'll go uh, uh just a body weight squat first we do uh one inch wall squats against the wall and i just tell them feel the movement through your feet yeah feel the movement through your feet and and you see so many kids who just naturally their back is flat the weights through their feet um they get down into a low squat and it's great some kids are going to be you know, not even close. So I say, okay, feel the movement through your feet. What does it feel like? Um, if you're hitting your nose on the wall, then yeah. it's not a good thing. Try to angle out your toes. And then I explain a little bit how, you know, your femur sits in its hip socket. Now that can change the depth that you can get to. And again, then they're kind of like, oh, okay, this makes sense. You know, there's some things going back to trust, right? Yeah. Hey, here's a, here's a thing that you can change or we can adapt to fit you. Because, you know, your femur or your hip socket isn't your fault. It's your parents' fault and your grandparents' fault for, for that. So then we'll go, we'll go into that. We'll go into a zombie squat um, with a PVC. The, one of the best things I ever bought for Menards was the thin PVC. And, okay, hold that out and if, around, across your arms. If, that, if you squat and that falls off, guess what? You hinged forward and the weight got on your toes and it fell. So now next time, um, feel the weight through your feet and stay more upright and they can, they, that seems to, to get it. Yeah. We'll get into a, we'll go from there. We'll get into um, an overhead squat with the PVC, which is where uh, regression usually needs to happen. That's gets to be pretty difficult for, uh, sure. for kids. And then if they can handle a 15 pound bar, then I'll throw that on them with the overhead squat and then really see who's ready. Um, but we front squat way more than we back squat. Yeah, and I, sure. and and we've unilateral squats, so single leg more than we back squat, uh, yeah. especially with our younger kids. So uh, yeah. dumbbell goblet squat lunges, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a lot. No, I love and, it because and, and it may not be one and then this and then this and then this. Yeah, it might be a two things during this week that are part of this kind of step. You know what yeah, I mean? so it, it might not be, you know, and well, clean. That's a whole different deal. That's a whole. For sure, that triple extension yeah. stuff. Yeah, man. I mean, trying to teach that is is its own animal, and you can have really elite athletes that can't clean. You know, like they they have unbelievable athleticism, mm -hmm. but they struggle to get that movement pattern 
down. I think the thing that I hear, right. And, and again, I just, I love the parallels between mental training, mental conditioning and physical training and physical fitness, because what you're trying to generate is stability first, right? I hear this. We're going to unilateral squat. We're going (laughs) to, we're going to do one inch wall squats. We're going to get PVC. We're going to have a manipulative that's going to change our body position, or it's going to give us feedback about our body position. I'm constantly working to create stability and feedback. Like that's almost all like consistency and feedback. Like that's all I really want to do early on in the process with athletes is to say, okay, what is, what is your consistent response? Do you like it? Should we change it? (laughs) You know, like that's, that is, coaching in the weight room also i think like what what do you do consistently when you're fatigued what do you do consistently at the beginning like cuz your first rep and your 10th may not look the same because your body is struggling with something i uh, yeah i i love it i love i love like working through a progression because it teaches us to look for those really major coaching points that we have to have mm-hmm. as our standard, right? I love, for me, I love you. For, Go ahead. For me, the logistical standpoint of I'm the only coach in the room 90% of the time. So I have to be able to trust that when I turn around, a kid's doing something that I feel safe and it's not going to, because if I go coach a higher level kid, I know, Hey, this kid's only doing body weight squats. I can go away from for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so for yeah. sure. And, and like the body weight squat, if you've taught them, right, they're going to get feedback from that also in the movement, right? Did I, did I become unstable? Did I lose my balance? Did, you know, like if they're looking for the right things, they can get feedback without you being there also. And again, that comes from coaching it really well the first time, teaching it really well the first time, not easy to do, um, in that room, right? Because of the things that we talked about, because of the challenges that we talk about, when we, when you get into some higher level athletes and you get into some kids that are really wanting to push the boundaries in there, how do you keep it from not being kind of meathead culture? Right. Because we, we were t- chatting a little bit on the phone and you said your girls, right. Your girls yep. have really bought in, in a way. And when I was in Pequot lakes, our female athletes were like all in and our guys, I don't know. I struggled because mm-hmm. there was. There was some of that, right? There was some of that. I I just want to do curls. I just want to do bench. I just want it to look good, right? How do you how do you resist, teach, build a culture that's like we're gonna we're gonna do this thing the right way? I can't, I can't believe how hard it's been to get kids to do less. Yeah. If I if somebody said what's what's been the hardest thing, it's been to get kids to do less and to understand. And I, we say it a lot. We say it in our track program a lot. Recovery is training. Recovery is training. Okay. So when we tell you that today all we're going to do in track practice is, is stretch and do our dynamic warm-up and then go home, you're not going to go play golf like some of our kids. Well, not yet. In a month, maybe. <laughs> um, you're going to go home and, and take a nap. And, and they're probably not. But just yeah. to, for them to think maybe, hey, I, and I joke with them. If your dad tells you to mow the lawn, tell him, "Hey, I'm recovering. I, I'm rec- I'm still training, but I'm just at home." Yeah. <laughs> but so, girls, yeah, girls are the 
the best to coach in the weight room from a, they, they don't know everything like boys do. They don't come in with an agenda. Like, yeah, I don't, you know, they're the opposite. They don't want to get, they don't want to get big, which it's really, really difficult for girls to do. That's one of yeah. their biggest things is, is bulking. And that's really doesn't happen, but boys, you know, resisting, you mentioned resisting. I think that's a, what too many people try to do is resist. I think that to try to sell them on recovery as training and, we we're doing this flexibility exercise because of this reason and over explaining and, but also including some of the bodybuilding stuff. We do curl, we yeah. curl, we do, we do hammer curls. We do the tricep work. Um, and I say, Hey, great. You know, we're going to do curls and we're going to do curl competitions, but curls are also good for shoulder stability. So, Hey, good for you. Um, and if there's, and now, you know, I've got kids that are really into it and say, Hey, I feel really good today. I know that we don't, back squat till Wednesday, but can I do it today instead? There's the ego piece. This is yeah. my program. You're going to bench today or you're going to, I have deadlift on today. Dang it. You're going to deadlift today. Well, that kid walks away. thinking. I mean, they're high school kids. He walks away thinking, well, whatever, man. Yeah. And they're probably going to do it anyway. So yeah. to say, yeah, Hey, you can squat today. Might not fit perfectly with what I've got programmed, but do it today. Just make sure you deadlift on Wednesday. Boom. I just built a ton of trust, but I'm getting away from your main question, but no, um, it's good. But getting them to the flexibility, understanding that you can, if you're inflexible, you're slow, right? You have to be loose. If you want to be fast and a dude and be a good athlete and have this transfer to the Orton field, you have to do this hip flexor stretch or you're going to be slow and you're going to be the strong guy that nobody, that everybody runs by. Yeah. If you don't do it. So incorporating what they want to do. Um, but also it's a delicate balance of, uh, Hey, here's sure. why you need to do this, but we can do some of your stuff too. Um, and that's where that trust comes in again, but it's hard. It's probably the hardest thing to get kids to do less. I can't believe how hard it is. And, you know, I, I, if you're in season, which we are all the time, two 30 minute workouts per week is all you need. Three would be great. Once the games get going, especially with our springs where everything starts to get really condensed, two is fine. So I have kids saying, you know, can I lift every day or as no, you really can't and you don't need to. So no. <laughs> um, and I mean, I have kids in the morning. I had a kid or I had a state champion wrestler the other day or yesterday before our track meet. He came in in the morning just to hang out. He walked around, slapped kids on the back and just a place to be, I guess. So that's cool. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just getting him to do less. It's hard. <laughs> it really yeah. is. No, I, I, but I love that. I hear that. Like what this kid shows up cause he wants to be there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's a, there's a piece of the weight room that when it becomes that meathead culture that we're going to push, 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 where do you get a pretty narrow band that wants to be there all the time, right? They're yes. in there all the time and they want to be there all the time and they want to, they want to look good. They want to feel good. And that's awesome. And yet it's a barrier to entry for everyone else. And so to say, Hey, I'm just going to come and hang out and support mm -hmm. my, my people is an awesome thing. And to know, I don't have to do more. I don't have to do extra. Right? Right. I'm just here doing, doing the need. And that's so counter like I'm a football coach and a wrestling coach. Right. I, and I've said this before, like if anywhere we get stuck in the old school, like 
do more, train more, be more, outwork. Mm-hmm. It's football and wrestling, right? It's Absolutely. this place where, yeah. where we're like, we, that's the only way, mm-hmm. right? It's the only way we can do it. And to say, no, actually, when we, when we train with the long-term plan in mind, with the goal at the end in mind, we can do this a whole lot smarter. We can be a whole lot healthier. How have you seen injury reduction in a small town, we can't deal with having a, having a hammer be out for any, for any period of time. No. And they're the ones that want to do more. They're the ones that want to do extra and are probably the most susceptible to injury. How has your, your programming contributed to injury management with, and I, let's talk about females and knees. Let's like, wherever you want to go with that, we, you know, we can, we can have that conversation. Yeah. I think if you, that should be the number one reason. I think that yeah. you start a strength program. I really do. So if you're listening and you're thinking, how do I do it? How do I sell to coaches that that spending time on strength training is important because they are going to have to give up some practice time. Of course they are. That's how it works. Not everybody can lift in the morning. Not everybody wants to lift in the morning. Uh, we have, you're going to have kids that do, but not everybody. So the biggest selling point is, Hey, we're going to, we're going to put a program in place that is hopefully going to mitigate injury and keep kids on the court longer than everybody else. And I think that's what sells coaches because especially if you're winning, yeah. why, why, and you're, you know, you go to a coach who's been really successful. They're going to say, well, we're winning. Why do we need this? Well, when you raise the floor, you raise the ceiling also. Yeah. Right. So with each kid, so how many injuries have you had? How many tweaks have you had? How many injuries do you think you've had that kids don't even tell you about? And so that should be the biggest reason. And I think that's probably what drives our program more than anything is uh, flexibility, injury mitigation. And nowadays, especially in the spring and summer too, these kids are so overloaded. The volume yeah. of, of what they're doing is insane and it's higher than it's ever been. Uh, and yeah, you know, old, the old school guys say, well, yeah, well, we went and, you know, picked rocks or bailed hay all day. Well, that was different. That was yeah. not cutting and load on your knees and load on your lower back. And I mean, it was to a point, but it's just different. So even now where we have to build kids to withstand what they're doing, yeah. you know, so we're, it's, 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 you think of it like body armor, right? We're putting armor on these kids to be able to just withstand, uh, you know, AAU basketball, JO volleyball, out of season training, plus the sport that they're in right now. So, um, that has to be a big, a big part of it. So what we've seen, we've had, um, you know, I think we've maybe had really one serious soft tissue injury uh, to a female in the last couple of years. Um, we've had really only one kid. We had an ACL tear uh, in fo- at the end of the football season. Um, I don't think we've had much other than that that has been serious. Uh, and again, you can't, you cannot point to anything that we're doing as saying, Oh, it's because they train. Now there's things that we're doing that are helping that. Yeah. Uh, just like you can never point to the reason that a team wins yeah. is because they lift. That's not true. Yeah. Um, skill on the sport is still the number one thing, but it has to have helped because we haven't had a lot of injuries sure. and, you know, that's why we teach landing first, talk about girls. And I know that the data is out on whether girls are actually 20% more likely to tear their ACLs or not. Uh, you know, I think that it's true. 
Um, so we work on landing way more than we work on jumping. And again, selling a girl on why, why stepping off a box and landing in softly in an athletic position. Hey, who gets, nobody gets hurt jumping. Nobody takes off and tears their ACL. They tear it when they land. Yeah. So we work on landing first. So then a girl thinks, oh, hey, great. That makes sense. And I can buy into that. Um, I, I've talked to coaches, not with girls, about, uh, you know, why girls need weight training even more, strength and resistance training because of what their bodies are doing uh, you know, as they're age 15 to 20 and where their body mass is, is going toward uh, more than boys. So it's, it's an uphill battle for them. And so whether it's, if you looked at our program, most of the things we're doing, uh, I try to keep a three to one uh, pull to press ratio pulling on their shoulders more. And again, just like everything else in strength and conditioning, if I said that to 10 coaches, five would say that's not necessary. And five would say, great job. Yeah. Um, so all this stuff is anecdotal, but we haven't had the injuries. So I'm good with it. Yeah. And I love Until that. Until we start seeing a wave of like kids with shoulders out or, or ankles or knees or uh, things like that, then we're going to kind of keep rolling that. Well, and when the frame is, we're trying to prevent when that's the important part, like, obviously we're going to start in a place where we build stability first. We're going to start where we land softly. We get, we're going to start with the, the goal in mind. Right. And so to, to have a frame like that, right. For that to be the mindset of your program, that's going to influence that outcome. Absolutely. You know? And, and going back to what you mentioned, going back to what you said about how do you get a kid comfortable when they first come in that's maybe never been in there, talking about all those things yeah. is also why. Like, hey, I'm not, I'm not, your goal is not to get 225 on the bench press. Your goal is to be able to, you know, have stability in your ankles and land soft and hold an athletic position. Well, even a seventh grade girl or boy can think, well, I can do that. Yeah. Or I can train for that. And then, of course, it builds and builds. But when you're constantly talking about all those things that kind of scaffold and yeah. support the big weight at the end, hey, great. But it has to be a, talking about mobility, flexibility um, has to be the foundation of what you're doing because that's what really runs through the entire program, whether it's a sixth grade girl. You know, like we have, we have a, a, a kid who's – Six seven three twenty. Who's going to be a? He redshirted last year. He's a freshman for the Gophers, playing football. He, and he's a crazy athlete. But he lifted. He spotted for a sixth grade girl last year in the weight room. Yeah, like yeah. that doesn't happen anywhere else. Yeah. So we could do a whole other podcast on why the weight room special too, if you want. But, but that's another thing too. Like, but the they did the same thing, and they're going to do the same program, and the the vein that ran through it was mobility, flexibility, and all that stuff. It's awesome. Yeah. No, it really, it really is. It gives you chills to think about. Like he yeah. understood I'm here uh -huh. to not, not just to get mine, right. That this place provides something special. It's an opportunity for us to connect with other people. It's an opportunity for us to grow together. I, I say it about my personal friends all the time, garden friends grow together. Right. And each one of us provides something different in the garden, right? Like some of us draw the bees in to pollinate. Some of us get pollinated. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's what we're about. And like, 
that's the process that happens in the weight room too. When you have a sixth grader or a seventh grader and they're seeing a senior doing it in a really disciplined way, doing it in a way that, oh, we're going to go and play division one football. I want to watch that kid. <laughs> like I want to watch what he's been doing because that, that trickles down. I, you are a part of the Minnesota strength coaches association. You're, mm-hmm. you're on the board. This is a new thing. This is yep, only a couple of years, years old. Yep. Tell us about how that, came to be and what your role in doing that was and and who's who's had a huge influence even in this short time on what you're doing yeah so the msca we're the minnesota strength coaches association and in minnesota we have the state high school coaches association so every sport has their own association right we just got down with the football clinic which was great so that's football basketball's got theirs baseball everybody wrestling and i looked at it and thought there's nobody there's no unifying group for strength coaches in the state. There's national ones for high yeah. school strength, correct? But there's nothing in Minnesota. So we got together, a few of us, myself and Mike Bryan at Elk River, who's awesome. Jessica Gust, who's at St. Louis Park, she's fantastic, and said, We need to we need to do this. We need to get into the strength co- or into the high school coaches association. So wrote up a proposal. They took it in front of their whole, you know, basically said, here's why we want it. We want our own association. Um, and they took it to their group and said, yeah, we're, we love it. You're, you work with every kid in school for the most part, every athlete. If you're a phi ed teacher, especially you're working with every kid, non-athletes also. And it carries, you know, liability insurance, which is great, uh, which there wasn't an avenue to get before. And it's, it's really about building the profession and there's been such a misunderstanding of what strength coaches do and the whole conversation that you and I are having are what we're trying to get all around the state is because most schools just have uh, somebody who lifted in high school and just kind of opens the weight room yeah so we want everybody to get yes we want everybody to get strength coaches not just weight room supervisors you know that can program that can uh, be a, an exciting place for kids, safe, exciting place for kids to come and grow. Uh, and we didn't have that. So we, now we're a part of the strength. Now we're a part of the high school coaches association. We have, when they have their delegates meeting in the fall with all the sports, we're there. We give our report. We say, Hey, here's what we're doing. We're building our membership. We're at over 40 now. Uh, awesome. which is awesome. And, you know, 10 years from now, I want to look back and say, Hey, remember when we only had 40 and laugh, Yeah, you know, because there are so many coaches out there and schools that say we want a program. We don't know where to start. We don't know how to pay. We don't know how to start. We don't know how to program. How do we get kids in? How do we get coaches to buy in? Well, great. Come, come to us. And yeah. we have resources and can connect you with anybody in the country even that has done it and has suffered through all the things that you're going to suffer through and all the triumphs that you're going to have also, because it's awesome seeing a kid lift a weight that they didn't think they could do. Uh, so yeah, so we're two years in, um, started charging some dues. We're working on bylaws or, uh, you know, athlete recognition, coach recognition, building an association from absolutely nothing is difficult. We've found, and takes yeah. a lot of work, especially when the rest of us are full-time teachers. And um, but it's great. It's it's a way to bring everybody together and 
it's such an important job. It really is. And we, you know, why all of us got into teaching or coaching or doing what you're doing. It's about service to me. Yeah. It's about service and what can I do for you? And, uh, that's really what the heart of it's been is we wanted to just provide a service to everybody that, that wants to do, um, you know, wants to do the job for kids because there wasn't a way to unify that before. And now I don't have this as, um, don't quote me on this. Uh, I don't have any data to support this, but I would guess that we've added more strength jobs in Minnesota officially in schools in Minnesota in the last year than ever before. It's got to be yeah. because it's popping up everywhere and people starting programs and it's just great. And a lot well, of it is because if a school starts it that you're playing against, better yeah. do it. You know, and that's been the case in our section. And I tell our kids that. This is going to, it sounds arrogant, but I want it to, for our kids. I want them to brag about what we do. The first day of spring practice, I had them all in the weight room for orientation. I said, we're going to, we do this better than everybody that you're going to run against, that you're yeah. going to play against. And I believe that that's true. And I want them to believe that that's true because that's yeah. a really big buy-in piece too. And if you don't think you do it as better as well as everybody else, well, you better get to work. Yeah. Learn. Get going. Somebody's doing, it, somebody's doing it better than you. And that's well, the and- thing. I think what you're talking about is the avenue to growth, right? How, speak to me, tell me about how having that network of coaches at hand has grown you as a coach to be a part of that community and say, I'm, I have this network that I can reach out to yeah. at all times. You know, like I, that's one of the things that I love about what I do. I, I, I work with a lot of different sports. And so sometimes, but I'm like, Hey, I know this person over here that I work with. You're struggling with this thing. They were struggling with this two years ago. Let me get you their number. Like, yeah. How, how has that affected your growth as a strength coach? Well, in a way it saved me, to be honest with you. So the first, the precursor to all this is that this is going to be too many acronyms, but the national high school strength coaches association, I'm on that advisory board also. And I got asked to be on that. And I was, it was like a lifeline, like, holy cow, it's kind of getting not bored, but like, you know how it is. You get in a rut. I think you talked about it recently. Like you just kind of, things are kind of like, like, yeah, like I got to do something else. Like, and quite honestly, when we moved, so I was in more head coaching in college and then, and just awesome people there. Kevin Feeney at Moorhead would be a great guest for you, to be honest. He, I think he could be coaching anywhere at any level in the country. And he's one of my good friends and probably my biggest mentor. And I learned how to run a whole program from a um, good friend that's at NDSU now, Tyler Roll, learned a ton from him and we still talk. And so when my wife brought up moving back here, my biggest, my first thought was, yeah. is it going to be enough? We grew up in a small town. Is it going to be enough? It's a smaller school. I was wrong. First of all, precursor. I was wrong. It's enough. (laughs) But that's what I thought. I'm like, you know, big school. We got all this stuff going on. Great program. Great friends. But the biggest thing I boiled it down to was I had so many people that were building into me and that were helping me grow every day, all the time and um, challenging me. Right. So I thought. My, that, and when it boiled down to it, I look back, that was my fear was I'm going to a place where I don't have anybody. Yeah. Am I going to be able to maintain these relationships that are going to keep me fulfilled? And I was, I was wrong, which is good. So came here, did all this stuff, 
uh, you know, in a couple of years, three, four years in was kind of getting that point. Like, okay, I got the strength stuff, which was awesome. Uh, took over that. And then I was needing something more because, um, it was going great, but I need something bigger, you know, right. That's what, that's what we do. What's the next yeah. thing? <laughs> What's the next chase, thing going right? to be? I know. Yeah. And it's annoying, but probably good. <laughs> and I got a call that said, Hey, uh, do you want to be on our advisory board? And it's kind of the same thing when you called, I was like, why are you asking me? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. That, and you, you mentioned imposter syndrome on the last was For sure. weeks ago. Yeah. Big time with me drives, drives me both crazy and what drives me all the time. Yeah. Well, so, it's, that was it's just the that most like, natural of human impulses to say, yeah. what is, what is it that I have to offer? It's so crazy because you talked about not having an ego and the ego is the thing that gets in the way of the imposter syndrome also, right? We, we believe that we're capable and that we can do it and that we're really, really great. And then somebody calls and asks us to do it. And you're like, why me? What's going on? Yeah, like, I don't. I, don't, I don't understand it. Anyway, the board calls you and says, come join yeah. us. And you're going, and the ego. what do I have to offer? Right. My point earlier too about ego driving or getting in the way of progression. If you have an ego and you think you're good enough, yeah. you're not going to get better. You're like, oh, we're good. We're cool. No. So that imposter syndrome is what drives our program too, largely for me. Like, okay, what are we doing before somebody finds out that we don't know what we're doing? <laughs> you know, which isn't true. But I think it, I think it's healthy. I think it's what for drives sure. you all the time. So anyway, so yeah, so I joined the board and just, you'd want to talk about an ego-free group of people. Holy cow. If you're listening to this, look up the NHSCA, my goodness. And it happened that that summer at YZ, we had our national conference and just an ego-free group of, and it's just high school. So, you know, college strength coaches, it's a different world. You know that. For it's sure. a different world. It's, they don't deal with, they don't have the sixth grade girl or boy coming in. And you have to coach that kid because then behind them walks your six, seven, three, twenty, division one football player. And you got to coach both of them. And you're the only coach in the room. Yeah. How do you do it? Well, division one strength coach guy doesn't understand that. Yeah. But high school coaches do. So it's a, it was an awesome, unique group. And then our Minnesota strength coaches association, just for Minnesota that you were, that you asked about was born out of that. That's um, awesome. And it's fulfilled me. It's, it's, I mean, we all need to be doing something that's bigger than ourselves, right? I think that's a big part of life and service. If you're doing something that's, if you're not doing anything that's bigger than you, then you got to find something. Yeah. And for me, that's been way bigger than me, obviously, and been super fulfilling for me um, and will continue to be. I mean, the Strength Coach Association is only going to grow and I want to have. Yeah. And I what, want, what I an awesome. 4,000 people, not 40. Yeah. What an awesome legacy to leave for our state in the end, right? To say, we we were a part of kicking this thing off. And now, if there yeah, are 400 or 1,400 or 4,000 someday, it's because somebody took the risk, took the step, right? It's the same thing. The reason I reached out is because I had a coach that I work with that competes against your school. It's like, they are doing something over there, man. They are doing something in a way that we want to emulate, Right. And that's what you said about the coach association. We want to see, right? We want to know what's possible. Now the coaches association exists. The strength coaches association exists in Minnesota. Now more and more and more schools have bought in because, oh, that's a possible thing. Oh, you guys pay a full-time strength coach? Mm -hmm. 
awesome. Can we do that? Can we find mm-hmm. money in the budget to do that? I bet we can. Can we, you know, like, so now the question becomes, how do we do it? Not can yeah. we do it? And that's a, it's such a powerful reality. It's the same thing. You have a six, seven, three twenty kid. We don't get those genetics all the time. Right. But he's at the D- division one level. You guys have had some successful wrestlers that because I'm a wrestling coach, right? Mm-hmm. You guys have had kids go on and compete, win state titles, go on, and compete yep. the next level. You show what's possible. Now the kids in your strength room, in your weight room, aren't going, can I? They're going, how do I? That's such a yep. different question. And it's such a powerful shift in the way that we think. I love what you're doing. I appreciate you joining me to talk about it because oh, yeah. I know that if any, like we say it all the time, if somebody gets one thing from this, great, it is worth yeah. it. It adds value somewhere for somebody. I know more than one person today is going to get value from this. Alex, we share you, everything. I mean, you know, yeah. I can, it's like anything. We can give you the recipe, but you got to cook the meal. So yeah. I've had coaches, what you can't tell them what we do. Yeah, I can. Because <laughs> it's like anything we can take. If I go watch Nick Saban practice, guess what? We can run a drill, but we aren't him, right? Yeah. We're not. So anyway, it's been awesome. No. I appreciate it so much, man. It's been great. Really great. Reach out, reach out to Alex. I'll put a link to the show notes where you can get to his email and he can, you know, if I, you can give your phone number if you want when, when that conversation happens, sure. but if you want something that he's doing, reach out. If you found something that's valuable here, we'll get that in the show notes so that you can make contact with Alex and he can help you grow whatever program you guys have moving. I, I appreciate you. you. A lot, somebody a lot smarter than me is what I could do connect you with yeah. somebody way smarter than me <laughs> we can be the curator yeah, man i say that right. all the time i'm just going to curate <laughs> your attention to something that's probably better than i can give you thank you so much i appreciate this conversation it was a blast to have you thank you i appreciate it thanks again to alex for joining me what a cool conversation what a great opportunity to talk about this thing if you're a coach we can't ignore it we cannot ignore what value strength and conditioning provides. But the, the thing that I love the most about the conversation, and, the, and it started early, right? How, what's the transferable skill? It's, and Alex said it, I love this. He said, it's not, the the squat isn't the thing that's going to transfer onto the basketball court. The, the bench press isn't the thing that's going to transfer onto the basketball court, right? He even says like bench, it's it's whatever. You don't really use it in sport that often. Maybe football players do, but what it does is it instills confidence because it's easy to do and it's easy to teach and we can do a progression like a push-up progression to get kids athletes the people that we lead to have more confidence in themselves and that's the thing that translates into performance how are we building confidence in our athletes in the people that we lead? What are the foundational tools that they need so that they can have success? Not only have success, but feel confident that they're going to have success, that they can translate what they need from the training model, the training program, the training physically, mentally, emotionally into performance. We say it all the time, performance is performance is performance. It doesn't matter if you're being dad. doesn't matter if you're being grandma. It doesn't matter if you're being leader in a business. doesn't matter if you're trying to manage a group of kids in a weight room, right? Performance is performance is performance. And it doesn't matter if that's performance on the, on the field of play either. What we need 
to be successful there is confidence. And how do we build that? How do we instill that? We have to remove the ego. We have to remove the ego. I love that he he said, do not, you know, if you're a strength, if you're administrator out there, you don't, don't hire a coach who's going to be the barrier because their ego gets in the way or because they have to do it a certain way. What learning and growth is about flexibility and, and openness to new ideas and new opportunities. It's about listening and having humility. It's about understanding as a strength coach that recovery is training. I was listening to a podcast um, with Brad Stolberg and Steve Magnus, authors of a book called Peak Performance. They both have their own individual books. One is called, uh, Steve Magnus's book is called Do Hard Things, and Brad Stolberg's book is called The Practice of Groundedness. They have a business together that's called The Growth Equation. And one of the things that they were talking about is how this desire to optimize everything in our lives is potentially a huge drawback because we don't recover. And the thing that I took, because we don't have the capacity to say, my, me measuring my sleep is actually giving me more anxiety than and causing worse sleep because I'm looking for the right sleep score than just having a good night's sleep with no tracker on. Like that optimization stuff can cause disruption in our lives. It can, and Alex talked about this. If I'm looking for numbers, if I'm looking for the right way to do it, and this athlete is struggling to do it the right way or the way that I want them to do it, I've now created a barrier to growth for that person. We have to be aware that we need space and time to learn. We need space and time to make adaptations. The reason that recovery is so important in the weight room is your body has to adapt. And if you don't give it time to adapt and you don't give it time to recover, like those adaptations don't take place as quickly or they don't play, take place at all. And we, and we lead towards injury and reduction in performance. And so we're, we're naive if we think that we can just push, 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 push in every aspect in all of our lives. We must take the time to be aware enough to say, is this serving me? Is this serving the people that I lead? Is this serving our athletes, our charges, our families? When we can take that time and build that awareness and then the doors open and we see the opportunity to, to launch a strength coaches association and to have that community of other coaches, leaders, people that we want to engage with and grow from and see the model that they have and learn from great people like Alex talked about in his experience at Moorhead High School. Like this sort of continued engagement is actually how we optimize, not by measuring every detail, not by honing in every aspect of our life. It's about openness, listening, humility, change, growth. I hope that that message has come through 
in the course of 140 some episodes now in this podcast. But if it hadn't, I hope you heard it today. Because Alex is an example of what we need to be thinking about as we're leading people towards their best. Not their best all the time, every day, right? And understanding that their best is different every single day. But to bring whatever we can as often as we can. And Alex and I were talking after the podcast, After like that's what mental toughness is. Bring, is, bring whatever you can as often as you can to meet the demand that's placed in front of us. If we can do that, we're going to have a pretty good life. It doesn't have to be perfect on our tracker. It doesn't have to be perfect on the, the wall, right? The, the measurement tool that we're using. Did I bring my best today? Did I bring enough today? And I'll have an opportunity again to chase that thing tomorrow. If you're finding value, if you've got great things from this episode of this podcast, share it. Give it away. Give it away for free. This time of year, we can't help but think about Easter and and what that means. Give it for free and expect nothing in return. And you will be blown away at what you get. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for joining me. I can't wait to continue to bring you great, great episodes, great interviews with awesome people. I know I gain from it. Rate, review, subscribe, share, check in with your people. Talk to them. Ask them how they're doing. Ask them to reflect on what they've got going in their life. And do the same in yours. As always, live eyes up. 